Come on, you ready to get in the word today? Come on, let's make some noise. Man, we're honored to have you today. What an honor uh, to be with you. We're in week three of a series called It's Complicated, uh, where we're talking about all things life and relationships. And um, we're taking the time, and the reason it's called It's Complicated is because love is complicated, y'all. <laughs> and It's complicated because you're complicated. It's complicated because I'm complicated. Love and relationships, and I understand there's people of all walks and some of you have been married for years, some of you are not married, some of you are single and looking, some of you couldn't care less. You're single and just not even looking right now. But it doesn't matter where we are in that stage. The truth is, the Bible has a lot to say about love and relationships and how we build that. Right at the beginning, I want to ask you to go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. That's the first series of scriptures we're going to hang out in today. But I'm going to ask for a little bit of forgiveness and grace. Um, for some reason, the South Carolina weather has allowed pollen to show up in February. Is anybody feeling that? Right? You know, <clears throat> whatever it is, I don't know. So my voice... The good thing is I've always wanted a gruffy Pentecostal preacher voice. You know what I'm talking about, like the T.D. Jakes, like growl voice, you know? Some of you don't know who T.D. Jakes is. Uh, he, that man can preach. Anyway, the bad thing is I get it about half the time, and then the rest of the time it goes out. So thank you, Pastor Chris. I am going to need that. Um, so just give me a little grace today on my voice as we move forward. And as you're turning there, I want to let you know, uh, I want to remind you, hey, sign up for the marriage one day, guys. We want you to be there. How many of you know that if you're married, sometimes you just need to have married conversations around married people about married things? You know what I'm saying? And so we're creating that space. It's been one of the most fun things that Megan and I do each and every year, and we want you to be a part of that. And uh, as we answer questions, we have marriage conversations and uh, this year is going to be super special. Um, we're really excited about some of the elements that we have. They're a little surprise uh, for you <clears throat> during the moment, during those few hours together. Make sure you go ahead and sign up. Uh, not only do you, are we going to have those conversations, but you're going to get to meet other married couples that you may not have connection with um, as we walk through this thing called life together. It's going to be amazing. Go ahead and sign up at the Connect Center today. And on your way out today, make sure you stop by the box on the way at the back of the auditorium and ask some questions. There's index cards there for you to write down any question you could possibly think of. No question is off limits. Let us decide which ones we can answer and which ones we can't in those few minutes at the last, seri uh, last week of the series. Uh, ask your questions <clears throat> and well, let's have some conversations about love today. I told you my voice is just in and out. It is what it is today. Hey, I'm super excited today as we begin talking about uh, love and relationships. And how many of you know that whenever you begin doing something, if you're playing a game or if you're going fishing or hunting or if you're um, going to build something, it is all about the setup as to how easy it is to get to the end result, right? So if you're playing a game, right, if you set the card game up or the board game up incorrectly ahead of time, you're not gonna be able to play the game correctly, right? It's gonna take you more time to get there. If you're going fishing or hunting, you know, you gotta set things out. If you're building something, like I, I enjoy tinkering every now and then with building things. I built our kitchen table and sometimes I've got to build, you know, set out the table saw and then sometimes it's the saw horse with the, the, uh, the circular saw and then if you're doing something with a drill, you gotta have the drill charged up, right? Drill bits together, all the pieces, right? More power tools, the better. <laughs> you know? Um, 
whatever that looks like. And it's the setup that matters. So like for me, uh, on Sunday mornings, we have three services and it's just a blast and it's amazing, but it's an early morning and it's, it's a lot of work. And so on Saturdays, I protect my Saturdays, right? And so on Saturday nights, before I go to bed, I iron my clothes, I set them out. You know, I got everything ready, uh, everything down to my toothbrush, just laying on the sink, ready to roll so that I don't have to think as much. I'm setting up for the next day. So the next day is easier. The goal today is I want to give you a few things that you can do no matter where you are in your relationship status to set you up for massive impact in your relationship. Whether you've been married 25, 30, 40 years, or whether you're single and not even interested in anybody else right now, or maybe you're dating and engaged, it doesn't matter. There are a few things that I believe the Bible teaches us that if we'll use them to set up our life right now, if we set our life on them, it changes the way that we live the product. It changes the way that we live life. It changes the way we have our relationships because how you set things up determines the ease of the task. And I want to determine the ease of relationships. I want to determine the ease of your marriage today. So I'm going to jump right in because not one time in this entire series have I gotten through my whole page of notes. Not once. So I'm going to attempt it today. At 8.30, I got through all four points. Somebody give me a hand, please. Thank you. Thank you. I feel accomplished. We're going to attempt to get through all three, four things today. I did have to rush the last two, but that doesn't matter. Here's the first one, as we're working on the big setup, the big setup, the first one is this, we have to set our eyes. Set our eyes. You could change the word eyes to focus if you want, but set our eyes, set your eyes. Here's what I mean by that. In Colossians chapter three, verses one through two, it gives us this statement the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and here's what he's saying. He's saying, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, now, you got to hear that. If you've given your life to Christ, if you've submitted your life to Jesus as Lord, here's what you have to do. Keep seeking the things above, not on the things, or, or keep seeking the things above, watch this, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So watch this. Jesus isn't just floating around in heaven after he ascended from the tomb. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And actually, Scripture tells us this. He talks about you to God every day. It says he's praying for you in the ear of God every day. What an honor. What a privilege that the Son of God, the Savior of the universe, is literally talking about the marriage things that I struggle with in God's ear. He's talking about my celebrations and my struggles. And they're saying, focus on things above. If you've given your life to Christ, you've got to set your mind on things above. Watch what verse 2 says. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. I said this a few weeks ago, and I stand by it, and part of it is based off of the theology of the Scripture, is this. The opposite of faith is not disbelief. The opposite of faith is sight. Because what we see is what we base everything on. Hey, I see God doing that for them, but he's not doing it for me, so he's not real for me. He loves them more than he loves me. 
I see God allowing this to happen, so I can't, you know, and we base our faith on sight. And the truth is, is faith is defined as believing something that has not yet happened. So when I base my faith on what I see, I can't believe for what I haven't yet because everything I know is based on everything that I've seen. Are you following me? And so I can't fully believe what I haven't seen because all I've based anything on is what I have. Before you can build a godly relationship, you have to build a relationship with God. How do you do that? I set my mind on things above. I'm not worried about the approval. I'm not worried about the things of the earth. I, I'm here to make a, you gotta understand, you're not here for the world to define you, you're here to impact the world. You're here to bring kingdom to earth. It's not, salvation isn't about getting heaven into you, or you into heaven, it's about getting heaven into you. It's about changing you to impact the earth. It's about not, it says pray this way, right? He says pray this way. Not my will, but yours be done on as it is in. How do I know what's happening in, he in heaven if my mind is, is focused here? Yeah, I can't. So what, here's what the Apostle Paul is teaching. He's saying, focus your eyes, focus your focus, set your mind on things above. Stop worrying about everything that's happening right here. Because everything that's happening right here, you're focused on everything that's bad. Well, the Bible said you're going to go through persecution. The Bible said you're going to go through difficulty. The Bible said it's going to happen. Why are we caught by surprise? Because we're focused on here. We have to learn to set our focus on things above. See things through a spiritual filter. Here's the reality. A lot of us in the room, we want a godly relationship. We want to be a godly husband. We want to be a godly wife. We want to be a godly leader. We want to be a godly man, a godly woman, a godly father, a godly uh, mother, whatever it is. Watch this though. You can't build a relationship that's godly without a relationship with God. It's impossible. Thank you. It's impossible. You can't. See, but, but let me tell you, you can have the qualities of those things without a relationship with God. I'm going to bust some theology up for a second. Here's the truth. There are principles in the Bible that work, and they don't depend on your salvation to work. Sowing and reaping does not depend on your salvation. It depends on the execution. There are certain things in the Bible you can do that give you the qualities and the benefits of the principle, but they are not salvation. The problem is, is you get everything now. You got nothing to look forward to for eternity. But there are other things in the Bible that are 100% dependent on your salvation and your relationship with God. And being a godly husband, you can have the qualities of a godly husband and not be a godly husband. Because being a godly anything requires the relationship with God first. If you want to be a godly husband, you want to be a godly wife, you want to be a godly mother, you want to be a godly father, hear me, you can have the qualities, but you have to at one point, some point, to be a godly anything, you have to decide, I'm going to build my relationship with God first. You cannot be something you are not. You cannot look at your wife and go, we need to build this marriage on God. We need to do, and you're not doing that in your own life. Come on, are y'all awake today? 
We got to learn to build this relationship first. And, and the reason we have to set our eyes and our, and our mind and our focus is because there are distractions in the world that will keep us from focusing on God. Keep us from looking at things on the earth and keep us, I mean, keep us looking at things on the earth and keep us from looking at things in heaven. Here's a few things as I've done this for a while and my wife and I feel really called to work with relationships and marriages and couples. We hear a few distractions all the time. There's just a few. Number one, we, we hear this one all the time, insecurity. Come on. Insecurity is an attack of the enemy on your value and your worth. That's all insecurity is. It's the enemy trying to tell you you're not good enough. It's the enemy trying to tell you you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, I don't know enough theology, I've been through too much in my life, I'm not, I'm not attractive enough, I'm not, and God's going, you're not good enough, you're not holy enough, you don't deserve it, but that is the beauty of grace, and that is the beauty of love, and you're going to hear me talk about this in a minute, but you need to go ahead and be reintroduced, God's love for you is not a reward, it's a gift. The reward comes after you accomplish something. God's love is free. It's just here. Take it. I love you. You don't have to do anything just because you're not worthy. You can't earn it. It can't be a reward, but the beauty is, is God goes, I love you. Listen, stop letting the enemy tell, tell you to hold your head down and be ashamed of who you are. Stop letting the enemy make you focus on the tree that you can't have rather than the garden that you can. Stop letting the enemy have you focus on everything that you're not. All the enemy's trying to do, hear me, is get you to doubt your worth and your value. Nobody likes me. I'm not good enough. I got a past. I wasn't taught well. I don't know enough. I, had to, I can find a million reasons why I shouldn't. But I only need one why I should, and his name is Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to redeem my life. That's all you need. You just need one. Insecurity, and watch this, in marriages, a personal insecurity costs the spouse. It'll cost the spouse, because insecurity causes you to need more than you should. And so you have to always get your worth from somebody. And so your intimacy will pay the price for your insecurity. If the enemy, watch this, hear me. Married couples, you need to hear this. If the enemy can cut your intimacy with your spouse, he will harm your relationship. It was created as a way, we'll talk about this next week, it was created as a way for you to be one, not just an act of a few minutes together. Insecurity costs you. Insecurity is an attack on your worth and your value. Here's another, here's another attack, a distraction. Busyness. Busyness. You heard this one, right? I'm too busy. I don't have time. And that may be true. Uh, biz being busy isn't bad. Busyness is the constant state of being busy. The problem is that some of us are too busy to do anything productive. Can I tell you? Busyness does not equal effectiveness. I'm busy. I got a lot going on. I got three kids in sports. One just signed up this week, hasn't played a game of t-ball, but they're going to win the championship this year. Come on, you know. Half of Radiate Church's team, is, uh, kids are on that team. No, I got three kids in sport. I got a church. I lead a network of pastors and churches. You know, there's a lot going on in my life. But when I begin to get too busy to talk to God, to spend time with my spouse, 
to be the father I need to be, to be the pastor I need to be. Whenever busyness creeps in, it's an attack on your time and your energy. Because then there, there's nothing worse than whenever you sit down and you're trying to catch your breath and all of a sudden you go, I still got more to do. I got to get back up. I got and then by the end of the week, you're like, I got nothing left. I'm on E. Can I tell you, that's not a bragging point. I know that, that hurt, didn't it? It's not a bragging point. Here's what that should be an indication of. I need to steward what I have better. Maybe I need to sleep longer at night. Maybe I need to rest my mind a little bit more. Maybe there's intentional and strategic things that I need to do. Busyness does not equal effectiveness. And it's one of the things that is destroying marriages and relationships today. Busyness. Here's another one. Negativity. Oh, man, I hate negativity. I cannot stand it. You ever been around those people and they never have anything good to say? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You ever been around? Like they find a $100 bill and they'll find the rip in the corner of the $100 bill. You know what I'm saying? There's always, there's always a problem. They looked at me this way. They did something I didn't like. And they did, okay, welcome to life. Right? So what? Negativity, there's always, I hate, I hate this. When you ask somebody how you're doing, and, here, and, and if you say this, I'm not picking on you. But, well, I kind of am. But, how you doing? I'm here. I see that. Me too. Yeah. Or like, you go on vacation, right? And like, you've had a great time and you feel refreshed, and they're like, how was your vacation? Oh, it was great. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. It was. You should try it sometime. You might, you might be a little happier. You know? It's those people that seem like they just eat lemons for fun. They're just crabby, you know? And I don't think that's a problem. Like, I don't think that's just who they are. I think it's, it's not who they are. I think it's an attack on their faith. It's impossible to believe for something better whenever you're constantly focusing on something worse. It's impossible to go God can do whenever I'm focusing on what God hasn't yet done. Some of you will get that on the way home. It's impossible for me to be happy for my friend that is enjoying a vacation for the first time in five years whenever I'm focused on the fact that I haven't enjoyed a vacation in six months. Somebody had better help me preach in this room today. I believe negativity is an attack on faith. It's an attack on joy. The reason so many people can't walk around and smile is because they don't believe they have anything to smile about. And here's why I love the two, the two last songs we sang today, The Goodness of God and Waymaker, because I'm not sitting there going, hey, God, you did for them, but you haven't done for me. No, I'm sitting there going, God, you're a waymaker. You're a promise keeper. You're the light in the darkness, God. That's just who you are. I'm just going to focus on who you are, God. I know I got problems. Come on, somebody. I know I got something happening in my life, but I'm going to focus on who you are. I ain't good enough, but you are. I'm going to focus on the good things. I'm going to focus on who God is. Here's, a, here's another one that's an attack on your purpose, laziness. Now, I'm not talking about laziness is not the inability to work. Some of us, we just don't have the ability to do certain things, right? If you ask me to sew a shirt together, I have no ability to do that. YouTube could teach me. Laziness is the inability to want to do things. I believe there's a culture of laziness that's creeping up 
that is attacking purpose. Well, we just just sit back and, and just believe God. I agree. We should probably get up and prepare for it too. In the Old Testament, they, he spoke to the prophet and he said, tell them to go dig ditches. It's not raining now, but it will be. And they need to be able to hold the water. So they got up and they told their army, this is ridiculous and you're going to sweat like crazy and it's going to be hard, but go dig ditches in the middle of the desert to hold the rain that has not yet come. If they had been lazy, they'd have missed the blessing. Maybe for some of us in life, it's not that God isn't wanting to pour out the blessing. It's that we're not willing to dig the ditches. So we don't have the capacity to hold the blessing. What if God wants to work in your marriage, but he wants to work in you first? Pastor, that was good right there. What, what if God's wanting to work in your finances, but he's wanting to teach you how to budget first? What if, come on, you know what I'm saying? Like laziness will keep you from your purpose. Working will keep you from your, uh, lack of working will keep you from your, now let me say this, salvation is not, is not works-based. You don't earn salvation, you're given salvation. You receive salvation, you accept the salvation of Jesus Christ to forgive your sins so that you can have an eternal relationship with our Father. You don't earn that, but you live from that. And so for me, I don't worship during Waymaker and God, you're so good and goodness of God and all that. I don't worship from that because I'm asking God to forgive me and I'm asking God, hey, maybe you'll see this as acceptable. I'm worshiping because I've already been given a gift of love and grace and forgiveness and joy and goodness in my life. I worship from that, not for that. I'm telling you, that Pentecostal growl got something going today. <laughs> Number one, set your eyes. Number two, set your priorities. Set your priorities. Is this helping anybody today? Set your priorities. Here's your priorities. I'm going to give them to you. This is how priorities biblically are supposed to be. You're supposed to be God, spouse, kids, life. That's biblical priority. God, spouse, kids, wife. Let's walk through those. God is always, somebody say always. God is always first, y'all. Matthew chapter six, verse 33 says this, but seek first, first, not last, not later, not one and a half, not when I get time. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then it says this, and then everything else will be added to you. Here's what he's saying. If you seek me first, I'll line up everything else for you. How many times do we go to God by lining everything up first? And then we're like, God, is this okay? Well, no, that's not how it's supposed to be. Oh, let me go back and fix it. And God's going, why don't you come to me and just go, how do I need to line my day? God, what are my priorities? God, what, what, what divine appointments am I going to run into somebody in the grocery store today? God, what do you have for me today? God, where should I extend love when I don't feel like it? God, will you just lead me? Because when I seek first the kingdom, then everything else lines up. Well, God, my life ain't lining up with you. Are you seeking him first? Or are you seeking you first? What, what are you seeking the first time when you first wake up? Facebook or the, or the word? or his face, or whatever, I don't know. I could go super cheesy. Are you seeking the Facebook or his book? <laughs> but the truth is, is we seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Watch this, anything, 
Anything you put above God, anything you put before God, anything you put first is an idol. And the Bible says God will not take second place to anybody or anything. Anything. That could be a spouse. That could be kids. That could be a job. That could be finances. That could be a whole bunch of things. Anything before God is an idol. So God is always first. Your spouse, watch this, is always second. Your spouse is always second. Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 25 says it like this. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is also the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. Don't shut me out yet. Give me a minute to explain the scriptures. Husbands, love your wives. Don't lord over them. Don't boss them. Love them just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Watch this. Men, husbands, our jobs when we get married is that we die to God and her. God and her are my top priorities, not me. What about self-care? When I take care of them, I take care of self. It's biblical. Now, here's, here's the reality. This scripture is not about men are above wives. It's not about husbands are up here and wives are down here. No, 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 no. If you read that, it's out of context. Because you have to connect this to the biblical order of marriage in Genesis. And what does he say? He took from Adam's what? I didn't know that a rib was in the bottom of your foot. Come on, that's good, Pastor. So why are we above them? The rib is beside me. So my wife is supposed to be side by side. I'm not above her. She's not below me. We just both have different roles to play in this thing called life. Her life, her, I couldn't do life without my wife. I couldn't do it. There's no way. No way possible I could do it. Y'all think I'm a mess now. You wait until she ain't around. I don't have nothing together. We're side by side in this thing called life. We lead this church together. We pray together. We lead our kids together. We do life together. Why? Because we're side by side. There's just defined roles in what that looks like. It's the same thing at your job. You don't go to your work and get mad when somebody else does another job because you're all going to... No, we all have a, a role to play in this thing called marriage. Our spouse is second. You've served the kingdom together. Together. First Timothy actually says it like this. If your house isn't in order, you shouldn't even consider being a leader in the church. If I can't love my wife well, why should, let, let me put it like this. Why do I think that it would be okay to love you better than I love her? It's not. Our job in this world is to love our spouse first. Let me give it to you like this. Your marriage is your first ministry. Your marriage is your first ministry. So God's first, spouse is second, kids are next. Proverbs chapter 22 in verse 6, Proverbs 22, 6 says it like this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Oh, so if I bring them to church and I teach them the Bible, they'll grow up and be good moral people and never walk away from the Bible. That is not what that scripture says. That is not what that scripture means. 
What it does mean is if they do go astray, they'll still know. They'll still know the way back. They'll still know the goodness of God. They'll still know the truth. When I was going astray, I still knew. Brandon, you're being an idiot right now. <laughs> Brandon, you know God loves you more than this. Brandon, you know there's more for you than this. Brandon, you know there's godly purpose in your life. It doesn't mean they won't go astray as in walk off the path. It means that they'll still know how to get back to the path when it's time and when they're ready and when they're willing to open it up. It doesn't mean your child will be perfect. It, it, well, get, Bible isn't true because my kid walked away. No, they still know. Come on. God first, spouse second, kids next. Then watch this. Then in Matthew chapter 22, in verse 39, it gives us this thought about the next thing that is our focus that is so all-encompassing. It says this. It says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. God, spouse, kids, reach the world. That's our priority. How do I do that? Going to work, be an example at the grocery store, tipping your waitress, treating them well. Loving people. And watch this. We got a whole series coming up on how to love your neighbor well. But listen, here's the truth. Love is not agreement. I can disagree with you and still love you. I can. For instance, half of you in the room are Clemson Tiger fans. I do not understand that. I'm a Gamecock because I'm saved. You guys. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe. And so <laughs> we don't have to agree to love, but we do have to go through life together. And we do have to commit to go, you know what? I'm going to love God through this. It's okay. You don't have to agree with me. I don't have to agree with you. So we set our eyes. We set our priorities. Here's number three and four. Quick. I knew I was going to do this again. <laughs> set your parameters. Set your parameters, set your boundaries, set however you want to say it, because parameters protect priorities. Parameters are, easy, are, are good because they tell you what you can and cannot do. Values create parameters. Priorities should be the center of your parameter. Because I value this, this is what I will and I will not do. In fact, in 1 Corinthians... In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul makes this statement. I love this statement. It says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let me put it to you like this. You can do whatever you want to do. You can stay away from whatever you want to stay away from, and you can be a part of whatever you want to be a part of, because you have free will through human nature. You can do what you want. But just understand, not everything's going to be beneficial. I can, take, I can put my hand right here and grab a hammer and hit my hand with the hammer. I can do that. How many of you think that would actually be beneficial to anything? No. Why? Because not everything you want to do is a good consequence or a good reward. You got to understand, if we're going to build our lives for the big setup, if we're going to build our marriages on God, if we're going to do this thing, we can do or not do whatever we want to, can, uh, want to do or not do. But there will be something on the other side of it. And when I set my parameters, I'm deciding where my guardrails are. 
I believe in honor. I believe in honor. So when somebody in authority over me comes in the room, I acknowledge that person the moment they walk in the room. I believe in honor. So when anybody walks in the room, I try to at least acknowledge their presence with a touch on their arm or a a vocal command of, hey, how are you? Whatever it is. Why? It's a parameter of mine. I want to be treated that way. So I want others to treat me that way. I I want to treat others that way. Here's some parameters for you. If God is your priority, then your parameter is we should filter everything through his word, his character, and his spirit. It's a parameter. If God's my priority, I don't filter his word through you. I don't filter what he's saying to me through you. I filter it through God's word. And then I bring it to you. And then I talk to my leaders, right? God is my priority, therefore church is my priority. Even when I wasn't a pastor, church was a priority for me because I wanted to stay grounded in those things. When God is our priority, our parameters change. When our spouse is our priority, date nights are important. My wife and I go on a date night every other week. If we don't do that, we make up for it by going on a trip. We just went on a weekend trip. We just got back last night for Valentine's Day. January did not allow us to go on one single date night. That's fine. We knew that going ahead. It's a priority. Why? I mean, it's a parameter. Why? Because she's my priority. When she's my priority, we work together. When she's my priority, nothing comes between us. When she's my priority, I turn my head when something distracting comes the other way. Come on, somebody. Digitally or physically, doesn't matter. When my kids are my priority, my parameter is I'll teach them and I'll give them the gift of love, not the reward of love. Because kids are my priority, I have a parameter. And here's the last one. And I'm going to close on this one. Set your sling. Set your sling. I want to go back to David and Goliath for a moment. David shows up. An entire nation was bowing down to the threat of a giant. David steps up and says, not on my watch. Sets his sling, flings it. This is the sped up version. Hits the giant in the forehead, knocks him down, knocks him out. David walks over, pulls the giant sword out of his own sheath and cuts his head off with his own sword. Interesting fact, later on in the Bible, you see where David also uses that sword yet again after he finds it in a, in a local tabernacle. He uses it again to fight off another enemy and to protect him from what the enemy was throwing at him. But the reality is, watch this, the giants you will not face are the giants you will bow down to. Insecurity, busyness, negativity, whatever it is, laziness. You you can name a million more that you know about you personally that I don't know. The giants you refuse to face are the giants that will have authority over you. Well, they did this to me, okay? Are you going to confront that? Are you going to let it haunt you the rest of your life? Well, they did. They said this, okay? Are you going to pay the price and confront the giant? Are you going to make your spouse pay the price for the rest of your life? Are you following me today? There comes a moment where we got to decide if we're going to step up and fight the giant or not. David set an entire nation free because he decided to defeat a giant. Men, can I be honest with you today? It's time for us to run to the front. It's time for us to stand in front of our wives 
and stop watching them fight giants that they have no business fighting. It's time for us to look at him and go, if you're not going to fight it, fine. But I'm going to step between you and you. He will not talk to you like that again. And that giant will not intimidate you. And I will go to war for you because I love you. And there's more for you than what the giant's telling you. And men, it's time for us to stand up and put on some armor and grab a sling and start slinging some stones and do something to fight the giants. And wives, you got, sometimes we need you to step in front of us and go, no, 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 you've been fighting, but today I got a holy boldness. You better get behind me because I got you, baby. We gonna do this thing together. See, we gotta set our slings and stop going, yes, sir, intimidation. Yes, sir, in, insecurity. Yes, sir, abuse. Yes, sir, pain. Yes, sir, all of that is real. And all of that is painful. And all of that needs to be beaten. All of that needs to be victorious under the blood of Jesus. And I need you to know, today is the day for you to hold your head up just a little bit higher and bow your chest out just a little bit more. And maybe you got to get that Ric Flair walk going. And maybe you got to get the woo going. I don't know, but you need a sling in your hand so the giant doesn't have authority over your life, over your marriage, over your kids. Somebody needs to declare, I got victory today. I got victory in this place. Why? Because of Jesus. Because he loves you. And I just want to encourage you today to take these things and begin building your life for the big setup of impact, of joy, of love, and of making a difference in this world through the kingdom of God. I just want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you and then Pastor Chris is going to give us a couple of next steps and we're going to walk out this door and we're going to live out what God has given us today in a very strategic and intentional way and we're going to watch God change the world as we live it out. Father, I love you. And God, my basic and simple prayer today is that lives are forever changed, marriages are forever impacted, generations are forever empowered. Because today we decided that we will be a part of the big setup. That we'll set our eyes, we'll set our priorities, we'll set our parameters, and we'll set our sling. God, as people walk to the care corner today and they begin to receive prayer, I just pray that you would move in their life and that we would not walk out of here the same as we walked in. Today, is a day where we take back the power that you put in us through the Holy Spirit and we begin slinging stones and we will not submit to the power of anything other than Jesus Christ in our lives. We love you and we honor you. In your name we pray, amen. Come on, make some noise for life change in the room today. Such a good